0: We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: If uh, you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Hebrews 10. Ooh. Hebrews 10. Verses 24 through 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Say amen when you got it. And it, the screen doesn't count. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. It says, In response to all he has done for us, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and in doing good. Pause. Do you believe that Jesus has done something for you in your life? He's kind of a big deal in your life. According to this scripture, We have a response to that. And it's not to be holier than thou. It's not to be biblically sound. It's to be nice and kind and in doing good. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. That's kind of shady, isn't it? (laughs) Shady. Shady. (laughs) Yeah, we'll leave it there but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. I heard a story one time of a mother who every single Sunday morning had to wake her son up for church. The story has nothing to do with our household, just to clarify. Um, every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, would roll around, and she would have to, it would be a fight. And it got to the point where like every little, every little excuse, like, well, see, I just, I, I mean, I can't go to church. I can't because that happened. So she would, she would make sure that breakfast was done, right? She would, she would even set out his clothes. So all he had to do was put them on. He didn't even have to shower if he didn't want to. He eat breakfast, put his clothes on and get out the door. Like that's, that's all you had to do. And one morning she was particularly frustrated, steaming mad. She goes to his door and beats on his door and says, son, you have got to get up. We have got to go to church. And he says, I don't want to go to church. She said, why why don't you want to go to church? Well, I'll give you three reasons. One, nobody likes me and people are mean. Two, The services are long and I fall asleep. Three. The preaching is boring and I don't understand it. She said, well, you got to go to church. He said, give me one reason why I need to go to church. She said, I'll give you three reasons why you need to go to church. One. Not everybody hates you. There may be, but it not everybody hates you. Two. Two. You're a 40-year-old man, and I shouldn't have to wake you up anyway. And three, you're the pastor of that church, and I want to go to church, and we can't have church without you. Didn't know where I was going with that story, did you? My friend Matt Elliott calls that a button hook. It's for another day. Have you ever met those people that um, just absolutely love church? Just just absolutely, their, their entire week is surrounded. It, 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 you, you, the routine is around church. And, and when they talk about church, they talk about it using scripture. Like, better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Need that good T.D. Jakes voice for that, right? Yeah. Like, I, would, I would rather be a, a, a doorman in the temple of God than lay in the tents of the wicked what can you just like you go through the entire song and dance right and there, there are people is like whew Sunday morning crep up quick this week huh <laughs> didn't see that one coming whew. you know like sit there and think to yourself well I got plans Saturday night so our Saturday night service huh? I'm not gonna be able to make that and technically, because of the plans that I have Saturday night, 9 a.m. is going to be hard to get to, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so, well, they say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and because I'm going to miss the 9 because I'm going to sleep in, then I'm probably not going to get to the ten thirty. You know what? I'll catch it online. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to catch it online. I'll, I'll watch every single minute of it online. Podcast. Podcast. I, I've realized today that we have found reasons outside of God to, to actually go to church, right? Like today, it's, it's, it, depending on what church you go to is dependent upon the clique that you're in. We use it for our, our, our social calendar, right? And while I'm not necessarily just talking about Hutchinson, Kansas, though it is very prevalent in Hutchinson, Kansas, I'm talking about nationwide. Like depending on the church you go to, like we get our social fix out of it. Some of you guys have actually gotten really smart. And thought, you know what? That's free childcare. (laughs) I get an hour where I ain't got to worry about wiping a butt. I ain't got to worry about calling a kid down. They're learning about Jesus. I can just kick back and relax. Some of you have taken it a step further and said, if I come to the 9 and 1030, I got like two and a half hours. I ain't got to do anything at all. They're learning about Jesus. It's fantastic. And while they are reasons... Good or bad may be questionable. They aren't necessarily the right reasons. They, we have an entire list here at church. These are the churchgoers who who don't come often. We call them the CEOs. Christmas and Easter only list. And these people, they, they. You ask them, "Why don't?" Well, God knows my heart. How's that doing for you? God knows my heart. I don't want to go to church because people are judgmental. I have a friend that got saved five years ago. He got married, put his life together, and he acts like he's never sinned a minute in his life. Or I don't like to go to church because I don't understand the messages. Some of us are like, I don't don't want to go to church because I don't want to have to act like I got something together that I don't. And what I've realized about church is that even though some of them say that you can come as you are, they don't really mean that. And so I, I, can't, actually, I can't actually walk into church struggling with my depression and anxiety. Heaven forbid I walk into church contemplating divorce. I can't, I can't walk into church with alcohol on my breath. And to be honest with you, I just can't put another facade up and act like I'm, I'm, I'm someone, I'm not. This morning, I want to tell you that those are lies from the pit of hell, Amen. and that I believe in a God who loves you no matter what, loves you no matter where it is that you have or where, or where it is that you are, and has something for you right now. This morning, I want to talk to you and give you three things on, on why you should be a part of church. Why community, and I, I actually wish that I, have, I had the ability to preach next week because I would talk specifically on, on community. After you've stepped into a church, why community is so important. So if you're taking notes, my number one is my actions are a response. My actions are a response. In scripture there's a thing called the law of first mentions. The law of first mentions basically states that you are where you see it first, where you see something first, that is the definition that you would see throughout scripture. Let me let me give you an example. The first time you see the Sabbath is at the beginning of scripture, right? God, in the first six days, God creates the heaven and the earth. He creates all of us. He creates everything. And on the seventh day, he rests. So no matter what it is that you do today, whether you go to the birthday party or whether you do your grocery shopping, the important thing is that you rest. In Genesis 2, we see God has placed Adam and Eve in the garden, and he's speaking to Adam and Eve about what they can do and what they can't do, right? Right? I say, he says, you can eat of any tree in the garden. You can overindulge. But there's just one thing. Let's look at Genesis two sixteen and 17. It says, and the Lord God commanded man. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God says, from the beginning, I have designed mankind to enjoy life. I have designed mankind to enjoy their spouses, to enjoy their kids, to enjoy the city that they dwell in. I have have designed them to enjoy life. But he says there's one stipulation. Do not live from the source of knowledge of good and evil. That's the tree they ate from, right? Do not live from the source of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's what we think when we hear that scripture. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of evil, right? Like when you, when you really sit and think about that scripture, Yes, it says good and evil, but our mind is fixated on evil, right? Because God would be okay with good. And God definitely does not want us to, 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 to listen to anything evil. He would not want us to listen to, to, to the world, um, the, the evil in the world. But here's actually what God is saying. God says knowledge of good things is actually bad. Can I tell you what God never wanted for you? God never wanted you to be in a position where you had to respond with because it was the right thing to do. The entire last year of my life has been about because it's the right thing for me to do. You gotta eat this, you can't eat that. You gotta drink this type of water, you can't drink that. You gotta take this amount of pills on this certain day and and in this time frame, you gotta get this amount of exercise. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Why do you go to college? Because it's the right thing to do. Why do you pursue that job or pursue that promotion in your job? Why do you want the 2.3 kids with the perfect wife or perfect husband and the perfect house with the two cars and everything? Why? Because it's the right thing to do. God never wanted because it's the right thing to do to be the source of your decision making. Why don't you claim your nieces and nephews on your taxes? Cuz that be the wrong thing. Cuz that would be the wrong thing to do. God never wanted that to be your reasoning. God never wanted this understanding of good and bad to be the the motivation behind your life. Because God understood that the knowledge of good and bad is not enough to motivate you through temptation and stress. How many people know we don't always make decisions from the gray matter in between our ears? Can I get an amen? If I could preach a moment... I would say that if we used the gray matter in between our ears a little bit more, we would probably be a little less debt in debt than what we are. Stepping on toes, it's okay. Stepping on mine too. Have you ever stepped into a conversation, an argument, and thought, I shouldn't say this? Like it's the perfect moment my wife is laughing because... I'll leave it alone. It's the perfect moment in the argument. You know you're right. You know you got a good point. And what do you do? You say it. You know you shouldn't. You know that it's the wrong thing to do, even though you're right, you're completely right. And you say it, and the glare comes over her face. God did not design us. To live based off of our intellectual motivation. I have this brother-in-law who, um, well, do you have anybody in your life who is allergic to certain foods or has an intolerance to certain foods? I have this brother-in-law who um, has some sort of weird intolerance to ice cream. I would assume all dairy products, but it comes out most in ice cream. Because he loves ice cream. And it is, a, it is not only a bad day for all of us when he eats ice cream, it is a bad day, really like terribly bad for himself. He doesn't really care too much about everybody else, but when he eats it himself, it's like, I don't, I don't, why do you do this to yourself? And the other day we had family dinner and we were having ice cream and ice cream cones, and I was having this conversation with him, um, and we were talking about, I don't know, Stuff I can't even remember. It doesn't really matter. But what I do vividly remember is the side eye he was giving the ice cream the entire time. It's like, bro, I'm right here. We can ha- I- you can have the ice cream. Can we just finish the conversation? It's finally, hey, I think it's your turn. He gets the ice cream with the ice cream cone, and he looks at it, and you could see the wheels turning like, God, it looks so good. Man, this is going to hurt. So... So bad, what 's he do? He eats it the entire thing. Good doctor. just kind of give you a plug on who it is. Why does he eat it because it's your intellect is not enough to motivate you let me Let me kind of ex- explain this because. There are some people in my life who do a really good job of living routine lives, especially when it comes to the health of who it is that they are, their, their, their fitness and things along those lines. Pastor always does this leadership thing with us, and he takes this wheel, and there's different spokes in this wheel, right? And it goes to different places, different parts of your life. And sometimes I think when we, when we feel like we've mastered one thing, we've mastered them all— And we've done it, right? Our intellect has got the perfect routine down for the perfect day and no one is gonna mess it up. But when you talk about their spiritual life, the spoke is broken. And if one spoke is broken, then the wheel ain't gonna turn. The wheel ain't gonna roll the way it's supposed to. Why do I go to church? Because that's what Christians do. Because I'm... I'm supposed to, because I need to be encouraged and built up, because I need a miracle. All that is knowledge. God says, that's not how I want you to live. Romans 12.1 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. God says, there's two trees, two trees in the garden. You can eat from the tree of life, you can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, he's saying, I don't want to be the motivation behind your life being based off of whether something is right or wrong. Your main motivation in life has to be, I've experienced life himself and his name is Jesus Christ. Why do I do this? Because I am madly in love with a God who hung on the cross for me, who not just hung on the cross for me, but is in my life today, who not only is in my life today, but guides, leads, speaks to me right now. I do this because I have a view of his mercy that I don't want to step out of. I have four boys, Hampton, Hezekiah, Henley, and Hoxton. Yes, we are those parents. All of them, they're the older two have gone through this stage. They've gone through, um, they're actually, the older two have stepped into a stage of too cool. They think they're too cool, and I love to knock them down to make sure that they know that they aren't too cool. But Henley is in this stage uh, where he can't be let out of your sight for too long. Hoxton, Hoxton is on his way in. Hoxton just started walking in the last couple of weeks, and so he is on his way into this stage. And Henley is actually on his way out, but he is very, very immersed still in this stage. As long as Henley stays in my view, we're good. As long as I have the ability to see Henley, we're all right. I'm not going to get in trouble from anyone. <laughs> the other day, Heather was working and she was doing something, and I had the four boys at home, and we were upstairs, and... Uh, the older two were playing playstation they were doing something and the the younger two were playing uh toy with toys and whatnot and i got a phone call and this phone call that i took it's a phone call i wanted to take i got entirely way too wrapped up in the phone call and stopped paying attention to the younger two don't judge me and act like you haven't done it well, i go into hezekiah's bedroom and we were talking on the phone i promised hoxton was fine um, and, and, and I get done with the phone call. I step out of Hezekiah's room to look across the, the living room to Henley with a red permanent marker writing on what I would consider a very light tan couch. I said, "Hilly, Hilly, Hilly, what are you doing? Stop, stop, no. He didn't jump. He didn't cry because I was yelling at him. He didn't do anything other than stop, look at me and say, what, dad? I couldn't find any paper. Okay? As long as he is in my view, as long as he is in my view of mercy, then I'm good. It is vital for each and every one of us to stay in the view of his mercy, of God's mercy, of God's love, of God's forgiveness. Because when we stand in the view of God's mercy, our reason for coming to church changes from because it's the right thing to do to because I love him. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. When read wrong, this is the most stressful Pressure-filled scripture in the entire Bible. If you love me, keep my commandments. I'm gonna tell you how I used to read this. I have to prove to God how much I love him based off of my obedience to him. All of a sudden we begin to equate our love for God based off of our obedience. Here's the problem: when I don't obey him the way I think or I know that I should. My prayer life changes. Because my obedience isn't where it should be, then my inheritance must have changed where it was. I can't ask God for a miracle because I haven't tithed in six months. I I can't ask God for a breakthrough in my life because I got drunk last weekend. We have this mindset that God responds to our actions. But listen, that's not what the verse says. The verse says, if you love me, well, then yes, you will keep my commandments. The verse says that when you love me, yes, uh, yes, you, you will keep my... It's, um, when I stepped into a relationship with Heather, I was concerned about no other relationship. I was not concerned about the parameters of that relationship. I was not concerned about stepping outside of the, the borders. When I stepped into covenant, when you step into covenant with God, you are no longer worried about whether you can or can't do something. You are only focused on the fact that, holy cow, he loves me? Why does he love me? I must, I must want to show this as well. And so my, my reason for showing love turns from because it's the right thing to do, but because I'm loved by God. I'm in His view of mercy, and I am only focused on Him. You focus on following Him. You'll want to go to church. You focus on following Him. You'll want to be holy, you'll want to be set apart, you'll want to tithe. In other words, God is saying, focus on the tree of life. Before the beginning of time, God has always intended our love for him to be the motivation of our actions. Not whether or not we thought it was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. What I've discovered in my own personal life is that when I'm struggling with a motivation to do anything for God or with God, it's a love issue. If I'm struggling to pray, it's a love issue. If I'm struggling to read my Bible, if I'm struggling to go to church, it's a love issue. If I'm struggling to tithe, can I I just say something about tithe? I'm not interested in your bank account, I'm interested in your heart because I know when he has your heart, not only will he have the 10, but he'll also have the 90. Number two, new problems make me forget. New problems make me forget. Back to my three-year-old Henley. Henley, the the thing I love about him, in fact, I I could have proved it if I would have stopped everything and showed you guys. Henley, this morning when he sees me, what does Henley do every time he sees? It doesn't matter if you've been gone for 30 minutes to eight hours. If you are out of Henley's view and he sees daddy or he sees mommy, gets these really big eyes with this really big smile and says, daddy, daddy, and he will run to you and give you the biggest hug. In fact, I love Henley so much because he speaks my love language. He, I am a words of affirmation through and through and he will tell you 20 times a day. So if I need my my love language stroked a little bit, I don't go to Heather. (laughs) I go to Henley. I love you. She will do my laundry. <laughs> Heather is an acts of service individual. I can tell her 20,000 times in five minutes, God, man, baby, you look so good. She's like, cool. Hey, um, so it's Friday morning and the trash needs to be hauled down. <laughs> you on that? Got you, sweetheart. But back to Henley. He comes running after you, right? And just this big old bear hug that a three-year-old can give. Daddy, daddy. He's like so excited to see you. And so there's uh, been a couple of times in, in the evening where Heather had brought the boys home early and Heather had asked me to go to the grocery store and, and get something, uh, get a couple of things. Um, our boys love fresh produce, fresh fruit. And so we go get more fruit than Heinz has pickles, throughout the week, because our boys like it, and we're going to give it to them. Um, why? Because it's the right thing. No. Um, so I come home one evening, and I got a couple of bags of, of groceries, and Henley does the daddy-daddy, and daddy. comes and gives me a big hug. He said, Daddy, did you buy me something? And being the, the parent quick on his feet that evening, I said, I did. And his eyes got even bigger. You did? what did you buy me? I said, I bought you strawberries. And he got so excited that it got me thinking that maybe I could do this and never buy him another toy. I just have to bring him fruit. <laughs> it wasn't until I was writing this sermon, that I was like, why have I not thought about this before? We can bribe him with fruit. That's fantastic. He needs no more toys. So we sat down and we talk about our day and we eat the strawberries. There was a, another evening that I'd come home, had a rather rough day, Heather said, hey, I need you to go get um, get some necessities from milk and eggs and whatnot, whatever, I don't know. But I was I was rather upset. I come home and Henley does the daddy-daddy, gives me the big hug. He said, daddy, did you buy me something? And not even thinking about it because I was in my own pity party. I said, no. He dropped his head, dropped, put the lip out, you know how they do, he said, Daddy doesn't love me anymore. I've had a bad day and now I don't love my kid. That's fantastic. (laughs) Daddy's forgotten about me. This is what we do sometimes when we come into church. When we first experience God, we have this, holy cow, you you want to be in relationship with me? Holy cow, you you've forgiven me? You love me that much? And we get six months down the road, a year down the road, 12 12 years down the road, and we say, Daddy, Daddy, what'd you bring for me? Daddy, did you bring me a healing? Daddy, did did you bring me a miracle? Daddy, Daddy, did you bring me a breakthrough? Daddy, did you bring me a, a door that only I can walk through and nobody else can have? Daddy, what did you bring me? You know what happens? He responds with, well, I, I didn't bring you anything, but I'm here. And our response to that because we didn't get something is, Daddy doesn't love me. Daddy forgot about me. Daddy doesn't care about me. Daddy, how could you heal their family member but you didn't heal mine? Daddy... I've been tithing for six months, but I hadn't seen any sort of breakthrough. Daddy, my life is falling apart. Why? And all of a sudden, we've made church about what daddy can do for me, what daddy can bring me. What happens in our life, as, as things don't go the way we want it to go, it affects our desire to be around him. This may be a tough pill to swallow, but this is never about you. It never will. Yes, he heals. I wholeheartedly believe it. In fact, I'm standing in front of you today. Yes, he brings miracles. Yes, he he gives favor. Yes, he blesses people's lives. I believe it with all that I am. But can I just tell you that that's icing on the cake? What I have realized today is that church really likes icing and not real interested in cake. Can I tell you what just icing is without cake? Diabetes, <laughs> cancer. I don't know. Who knows? Romans 5, verses 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is for someone in the room today that thinks that they gotta get their lives together before they can give it to God. And God said, I don't want your life put together. I want you jacked up. I'm totally fine having you jacked up. In fact, if you put your life together, I really don't want it because if you put it together, you can take credit for it, and I can't share my glory with another. No, it says, while you were still the alcoholic, while you were still had those anger issues, while you were still addicted to pornography, while you still struggled, while you still hated, while you still had these, 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 these deep-rooted issues in your life, that is where I want you. That is where I died on the cross for you. I'm not interested in you being perfect. I'm interested in you being honest. We let these earthly problems we have blind us to the fact that he fixed the biggest problem of them all. When he saved our lives on that cross. My grandfather passed away just over four years ago. His name was Boppy, and he, Boppy was a great-grandfather. He was pickled three-quarters of the time, but he was a great-grandfather. That <laughs> uh, big old smile of his, he was a Native American man, and so he had that big old snot, smile, and it just he was, he was a great-grandfather. He, his uh, health failed awfully quickly. I went home to be with the Lord, I remember going to the, the funeral uh, or the, the reception after the funeral and you know, the, the, the talk that, that always happens around these moments. Why would God let this happen? Can I play God for a second? You mean, how could I let him come to heaven? Is that why you're mad at me? Are you're mad at me because I took him out of a place of pain and put him into a place of glory? Christian, even when you lose you win. Even when you lose, you win. We I don't come to church because he can heal me. If I could just testify for a moment, I didn't step foot in this church on a weekly basis on a daily basis throughout my last year because he could heal me. I did it because he, I love him and he loves me. I don't come to church so I can get a breakthrough. I don't come to church so I can get something out of it. I come to church because I'm madly in love with a man who continues to walk with me, who continues to speak into my life, who continues to give guidance and direction. You say, but pastor, I could love him anywhere. I could love him on Monday. I could love him on Tuesday. I could love him at work. I could love him anywhere. You've not answered the question as to why I need to come to church. Number three, because he promised to meet me there. His scripture promises that he will meet me here. I preached the end of my service or my end of my sermon, like up here earlier. He promises to meet me here. Matthew 18 19 and 20 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He said, Ask. Ask and it'll be done for you. Ask, ask. All you gotta do is ask. Scripture says, ask for the nations and he'll give it to you. Psalms 2-8, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. Ask and I'll give you the nations. Are you asking for nations? Can I just preach for a moment and say, if your ask isn't as big as a nation, your ask is too small. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So when I stand before you in prayer right after worship, and we're doing the whole transition thing, but I tell you, hey, FYI, God is here in the midst of us. It's written in red. He is here. He's not going to be here. He's not going to have something for you in the future. He is here now and wants to speak to you, has been speaking to you since you walked into the building. The Bible says where two or more come together, that he dwells in the midst of us. This isn't a God who is an ethereal God that sits on a cloud and wants, and wants to look down upon you, but it's the one who's sitting right next to you saying, I know you had a tough week. Because you had a tough week, I had a tough week. I know I feel distant, but I'm right here. I know you feel like you've not spoken to me for a long time but I promise I'm hearing everything that you say. He promises to meet me here. And when he is met in the body of believers, lives are changed because you see his view of mercy. You see his view of grace. and you realize that maybe for 2.3 seconds I don't have to live up to something. I don't have to be interested in whether it's right or wrong. I have to be captivated by a man who is captivated by me. You may be sitting there saying, Sean, I have no idea why he would be captivated by me. You don't know the things I've been cussing you since you started. You don't know the things that I've done this week. You don't know the things that I've done this last couple of weeks, these last couple of months. These last, you don't understand the pain and torture that goes on in between my ears. You don't know the, the, the depression that I have, the, the addiction that I cannot kick. What I'm telling you today God is perfectly okay with having you where you're at. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? If I'm not coming in here because it's the right thing to do, but I'm coming in here because of my love for him and him for me, then he must want something for me. He must want to tell me something. He must have something on his heart for me. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today, right now?
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at tfh hutch